0: Hello, and welcome to the John 315 podcast, the show where we break open the mysteries of the most popular and misunderstood Bible verses and put them back into context. I am your host. They call me Jonathan Optional Chapel Van Schenk. And here is my co-host. They call him Jeremy Actually Has a Hook Swingle. Now, Jeremy, before I ask you why they call you actually has a hook swingle, we should introduce our final guest on the show today, and that is Donald Plays Smash in Chapel Kimball.
1: Hello, that's me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And why do they call you Donald Plays Smash in Chapel (laughs) Kimball?
1: Well, they call me that for, and I'm sure none of your audience is going to guess this, but for the reason that in Chapel... I have played Super Smash Brothers. It's kind of a wild (laughs) idea, but there is a little bit more to it than just like being some sort of scofflaw playing, uh, you know, smash and chapel for no reason. Now, the, the interesting thing about this is specifically why, why we are saying chapel is because we're referring to uh, my, my chapel. I attended while attending Northwest University, my alma mater, where I met uh, none other than Jeremy here. And, um, we'd, we'd been acquainted. Um, but at one point I was sitting up in the balcony and the balcony is that top, you know, upper row where all of the uh, kids who didn't you know, want to be jumping in the very front to the laser light show and the fog machine, raising their hands and like <laughs> crying um,
0: spiritual uh, unwashed masses who went to Northwest.
1: Exactly, that's where that's where we congregated, and so um, it was myself, my brother, I think, um, a friend from my floor, and we we all we all get up there and we're sitting out, and um, you know, so chapel begins, and so naturally we pull out our Nintendo three DSs because what had recently happened was the uh, the demo to the new upcoming smash game came out so there were five characters one stage and one state game mode you could play but we faithfully got pulled out our 3ds's to wirelessly play and when this happened uh i kind of turn and and uh i see jeremy uh, not that far from us with his backpack and he pulls his 3ds out and is like eh?
0: and we're like yo <laughs> and so uh,
1: and so that kind of became habit um, three days a week when we were all in chapel together was just to play the wireless smash during chapel until we actually went to the midnight launch together at the mall uh, and we picked it up. And so that was kind of a, a fun, a fun little community event. And I think it really brought us together spiritually in just a me- meaningful way. <laughs> Thanks, at chapel brought you together to wirelessly. <laughs> 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 exactly right, but 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 like I said, that's not how Jeremy uh, and I met, which is maybe a really good uh, way to transition into J- Jeremy. Why would they call you Jeremy has a hook swingle?
0: Yeah, so Donald and I actually met at Nu. I think it was our first term, and you know how they make you do all those lame, uh, you know, gen ed courses, and I was there to study the Bible, but uh, I had to take MLA research writing, which. You don't use the MLA format in biblical studies, but that's you know what your college made you do. It's that's how they get money, right? So uh, the thing about that class is, I don't think anybody in the class knew how to write except for Donald and I. <laughs> and, and to be fair, I didn't read everybody's papers, but we we had a peer a peer review process. And I distinctly remember paper after paper, like there's no thesis statement in here. I don't know how I award you any points. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a thesis statement like you literally it's just words on a piece of paper it was like, what i supposed bad. to do yeah like, it was I, well, I, you I identified don't... the name of the book that you're you were talking about <laughs> like, <great>. like, you <laughs> so i guess i would say it. i will jump in for the listening audience at home so if you're wondering how jeremy got so good at at dunking on people it was during this peer review process
1: in college. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing that was so frustrating about the peer. I mean, like it's one thing when you're just peer reviewing a bunch of people who can't write. It's another thing when you are explicitly prevented from writing on the paper that was printed. They had a separate sheet, and you had to make notes, and it, and it was like certain <laughs> questions or things you change. And I remember thinking like how do I just write everything? Like, I can't bleed on this page <laughs> and, like, point everything out on, on this separate thing. This is ridiculous. So I, but but the reason Jeremy earned that is because none of the other papers I re- was peer reviewing had a hook. But Jeremy's did. His started out <laughs> with a line that got you hooked. And then the really funny ending, I was like, I was so relieved. I'm like, thank goodness, this will actually be one I can review, Like, and that has some sense. And <laughs> I got about halfway down the first page, and we ha- we were required to have two pages written or something like that. And <laughs> at about halfway through the first page or maybe two-thirds down, it started reading... Um, The characters' names are X, Y, and Z, and I will have more to this paper, but I didn't have time to do that yet. And it was that copied and pasted for the entire next page, and I just started losing it. Because I'm like, okay, this is obviously someone who knows how to write and just prioritize other things, so I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to write the actual notes I have and... uh yeah, that was, was how we met. I probably
0: playing the already out uh, previous version of Smash the night before, yeah. <laughs> instead of <laughs> right. writing the rest of the paper. Like, 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 like right? Donald said, prioritizing <laughs> the important
1: things. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly.
0: So uh, w- while Donald and I were, um, you know, having our shenanigans in chapel and uh, learning that we were the only people in our class who could write uh, in this writing class, uh, John, you apparently were not going to chapel. That's true. So while um, I also went to a Christian uh, uh, undergraduate university, Seattle Pacific University specifically, uh, whereas for you all, uh, uh, chapel was a a required um, uh, maybe opportunity to develop patience, I did not have required (laughs) chapel at my university. Uh, It had sort of uh, turned into a kind of optional little like worship service thing that happened on Thursday mornings where for some reason they like had communion which always kind of was weird and i didn't really get that we but, did that but anyway knew sometimes too yeah. yeah yeah maybe we should do an episode on that but <laughs> <laughs> regardless like that. it was the optional thing on thursday mornings and so i like i literally never went to even a single chapel service
1: all four years that i went to that college <laughs> now can i ask uh did you harbor resentment toward it uh, toward the toward the chapel services. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. I mean, mostly okay. I just didn't think about well, it. <laughs> see, and that to me, there you 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 have it already better than NU's chapel system because I think <laughs> while there was mandatory <laughs> attendance, that just made people resent it. <laughs> that, that's all that did. So, yeah.
0: Well, by way of um, I think further introduction to uh to Donald. Uh, why don't you plug your podcast, Donald? We'll give you a chance at the end, too, but uh, we'll, I guess, uh, introduce this kind of cross-collab we're doing.
1: Yeah, so uh, I run a podcast called the Cringe Posts Podcast with my uh, co-host, uh, Britt Espinoza, also an NU alum. Uh, and the Cringe Posts Podcast is the show where we uh, we search the internet, sometimes far and wide, and sometimes very near to our own hearts, uh, for posts on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, you name it. Um, and we find these posts that just make you cringe. They're just the worst takes. Sometimes it's low-hanging fruit, and sometimes it's a little bit more nuanced fruit, but just the worst political usually takes. And we talk about them. We laugh at them. We we talk about why they're wrong, why they're goofy, what the assumptions are be- that are being made, what they are, and, and you know, why it's easy to... Uh, why it's easy to, to fall for the traps that they they provide sometimes. Uh, but, but of course, not to seem so arrogant as to only be dunking on other people. We do start off every show. By making fun of one of our own cringe posts, so we look back at our timeline, see uh, what we've what we've posted in the past that was either just a dumb take or a sometimes really heinous take. And let me say, I think I've come off the worst for the wear from this because, man, my past takes have been bad. Like Brits had some cringe. I've had not only cringe but just like. Like shuddering material. So, uh, if that's if you know if you if you come out of this show like man, I'm glad this is done. Get that Donald guy off the show. Never want to hear from him again. You actually might want to come to Cringe Post so that you can dunk on me and see my terrible Cringe past posts. That's and I've heard a pitch there. <laughs> <laughs> we we also we also had a really uh, really cool guest on our one of our recent episodes here. So hypothetically, you, you might be familiar with this guest. So you might want to check that out as well.
0: Yeah, if anyone listening, you know, any of you religious John 315 podcast listeners out there are curious what I think about Nikki Haley, uh, <laughs> then you should check out uh, the episode <laughs> we just recorded last night, which I assume will be up about the same time as, as we put this one up on our podcast. Um, so, yeah, anyways, uh, we have Donald here with us and we're going to throw our 10 questions at him. Um, he is an Anglican, so, you know, please be a little bit patient if it takes him a while <laughs> to come up with uh, answers to the
1: questions um, you know it's basically it's like just because i'm so pensive that's all i'm just so i ponder a lot okay
0: it's like the catholics except instead of the pope they have like king henry VIII, right <laughs> okay, but
1: that's, hold on hold on now that's
0: all right uh, let's see here uh, john you want to lay on us the first question for sure, Donald. So uh, we're, we're, we're really glad to have you on the podcast. And as Jeremy said, we're going to take you through our standard gambit of uh, 10 questions. So question number one, um, are, are you ready for us to, to jump into the questions here? I am so, so ready. Perfect. Well, then question number one, who is the most interesting figure in world history?
1: Ooh. Um, so this one is like, I, so, so full disclosure, I've listened to your podcast before. And so I've heard, you know, these questions before, but I was not cheating. I was not reviewing the questions, you know, before this so that I would be prepared. And I remember when I, when I had this, you know, listen to this question the first time I'm like, that's a hard question to answer. And here I am flummoxed and falling right into, uh, Jeremy's description of me as not answering right away. So as you can see, I'm stalling out, um, 40 chess. you know, though it is It is very clear that you host a podcast because you're really good at filling the dead air (laughs) (laughs) well i was also on the debate team so you need to do that there too you know (laughs) say nothing while saying something um oh the debate team i knew there was something i liked about you okay (laughs) (laughs) liked? that's that's a rarity (laughs) you're the first person to say liked in that context well i was on the
0: debate team too so
1: we got to stick together that's true. That's true. I have to say probably the most interesting uh, figure in history is Donald Trump. He's just the most, I mean, there's, he's so original <laughs> and unique and there's no one ever been like him before. I'm just kidding. It's, actually I, speaking, there's, actually there's,
0: there's an there... honest answer to that question. If you were <laughs> actually, asking yeah, me, all right. and, Jeremy, question <laughs> no. number two, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't think he's, the, I think he's a very interesting figure. I don't think he's the most, I, I mean, there's a million answers to this question. I think more um, a more realistic answer that would be more correct, I think, is maybe um, Saint Augustine. Um, I think he's very interesting. Not not that like he you know has a lot of conspiracy around him or a mystery or anything like that, but I do think he he's are just a really good example of someone who sort of bridges the what we would perceive of people in in sort of the biblical past and the modern present. He was just he's kind of right in that sweet spot of our times where so much of how he speaks and, and what he refers to is so well-connected because I believe he was around the 500 uh, era. And uh, and so he's he's much, much closer to to biblical times than we are, um, but he's also so much, it's very, very far departed. So he has a lot more sort of maybe uh, more modern political type engagement and, and things. So I, he's just a very interesting figure in that, almost a Pauline-type figure because of his uh, upbringings and and conversion and um I don't know I, I think you should, and then it's also it, you also have to be pretty interesting for the Catholics to really want to claim you and the Reformed to really want to claim you like for that to be the same person is really <laughs> yeah. like okay there's something to this guy so I think I think Saint Augustine's probably my answer
0: and there's basically no theological topic that doesn't like have some reference to Augustine and you know if you're thinking yeah. about it these days so that's a good answer. yeah.
1: Yeah, he's 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 just kind of a Chad. Yep. Well, I, I think you you have answered rightly. All right, <laughs> but All right, Donald Trump's a sec- close close second, close second. <laughs> very
0: close, very close, right right under.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, question number two: uh,
0: Best hymn.
1: Mm, okay, there's so many good hymns. I'm I'm not. I can't give you one, man. Um, I'll give you. Okay, best Christmas hymn, mm. in my opinion, is "Come Thou Long Expected Jesus." Mm. Ooh, yeah, I mm-hmm. love that one. Um
0: well that suffices. I think, you don't I mean we say best him okay. but you don't have to like there's just the okay objective but correct oh, answer. I mean, I mean it is abide it's with come come Emmanuel, by the way. That's
1: o, the. O Come o Come Emmanuel <laughs> is also fantastic and, I, and and it is the only thing is like musically I don't like it as much as Come Thou uh Long mm. Expected Jesus. So that's why I got to put it just below it in my head but uh in in my Anglican church we do sing one or are we sing O Come, O Come, uh, Emmanuel every Sunday of Advent with different verses put in. So there is proper reverence paid to that. It is, it is a fantastic Christmas hymn. So there we go. That's that's my answer. Just to cop out. <laughs> nice.
0: No, no. That's great. Great. Loving it. So uh, question number three, then, is uh, when did you acknowledge the truth of the doctrines of grace and become a Calvinist?
1: And I can answer this non-ironically because I am. <laughs> um <laughs> It was in high school for me because I started attending a Christian private school. So I'd, I'd been homeschooled through ninth grade and I'd been attending. I grew up in a non-denominational church. So basically, you know, Southern Baptist by any other name. Um, and and uh, then we went to like a Presbyterian church for a little while, but we left uh, because they started going pretty liberal. Then we went back to a non-denominational and then, um, so then we were attending that church, but then I went to this this high school, uh, my 10th grade year and through through the rest, and it was affiliated with a PCA Presbyterian church. Um, and so it wasn't technically uh, a, a denominational school, but it did have chapel and a lot of the Uh, teachers were affiliated with the church like they were elders and things like that so um in particular i had an english and history teacher uh named doug bond if you've ever read any of his stuff he's a he's an author um he and i actually had written or read excuse me some of his fiction young adult fiction books before i even went to the high school which was really funny and weird coincidence um but he he particularly harped on these ideas of of reformed theology and we got reformation history and we learned about all these these things and so uh yeah, I, I, it was in it was high school is when I I finally sort of formed that opinion, and then it was just in time for college to have the angry cage Calvinist uh, debates um, online and in person. So I was there. It for was him. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say he was <laughs> Jeremy. Be my witness.
0: <laughs> I think you actually beat me a little bit then to the to the Calvinism because I think I might have been like seventeen, eighteen. Mm, um, mm-hmm. So so yeah, you might have been there a little before me. I was definitely cage stage and hard. Uh, when mm-hmm. we came to NU, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, on to question number four, um, your favorite theologian? Well, I think you might have already kind of answered this one. Uh, can't be from I'll give the Bible. You
1: a, yeah, I'll give you a different answer. And and I, I actually, uh, I think you and I were talking about this and after our show yesterday. And I, I will say J.I. Packer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that he's my favorite of all time necessarily. If you boil down every contribution historically. But just in like the last you know hundred years or so, he's just had such a he just has in such a great um, calm, clear, and and um, concise way of boiling down the the basics that you need and 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 just articulating them so beautifully. Um, he he has a a short video YouTube series that that he did um, where people just asked him like you know what is the fundamental of this and they're just like three to five minute videos and he just distills the issue so well and i think he's he's just like one of the reasons that i was actually attracted to anglicanism and just open to it in the beginning was people like j.i packer i I think he's just he's just a marvelous uh marvelous man maybe
0: we could link to that in our show notes
1: yeah yeah yeah, i'll send you i'll send you one in particular that i'm thinking of that i just just thought was just so good
0: yeah yeah he's awesome i love knowing god that's really all i've Mm -hmm. i've experienced of him um, yeah that was we, we referenced
1: some of that in our high school as well so i was yeah that's where i encountered him is in that high school as well in my bible class
0: all right great so moving on to question number five here what is the best non-fiction book written by a non-christian
1: okay yeah so i remember thinking long and hard about this one because it's funny because when i think about I- i'm never really thinking when i'm reading a book like is the the author a non-christian specifically right i might be thinking this is you know not a theologically oriented book like i'm not reading pride and prejudice for its wisdom and insights into how to live my life necessarily through a godly lens but jane austen technically herself would be an anglican because she was in the church of england at the time and stuff and so you're like well is she technically a Christian? Is that really count? All these things. I, what I, I I'm in a similar boat with my answer here, which is going to be um, economics in one lesson by Henry Hazlitt, and I don't know if Henry Hazlitt was a Christian. I actually. Uh, I googled it out of interest um, at one point, and he was married to someone who wrote a con- like a, a distilled version of the Bible. So it's possible that he was a Christian, but I cannot find any sources in my brief Google research um, confirming that. And the book is pretty far removed from any Christian principle that I'm going to try to sneak this in as my answer. But the reason I like economics in one lesson by Henry Hazlitt is that to me, it's like the mere Christianity of economics, where mere Christianity is this like, here's a basic concept. And you're like, yep, I get it. And then, all right, now here's another concept that kind of builds on that previous one. You're like, yep, that makes sense. Okay, now here's another concept that builds on the previous two. You know, it's just like this staircase of like your basic ideas that kind of build into the Christian faith. And uh, economics in one lesson is that way. So you read it and you're like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, of course, when, you know, when people... Uh, you know, when when I see something in a store, and I want that thing, and I give him my $5. Well, yeah, I'm valuing that thing more than I'm valuing the $5, because I'm giving it to him and taking the other thing. Yeah. And then he builds on that. So it's like, you know, ergo. Um, and then you just you, you just continue to build out through the whole book. So it's a, it's a really, really short book. It's a really, really easy to understand book. And that's why I would put it as one of the greatest.
0: And that's an awesome answer. I wholeheartedly second it. Have you read it, John? uh no no i i haven't gotten around to reading
1: it yet i've been meaning to but it's always like third on my list yeah
0: yeah it's (laughs) It's a short one
1: if you're ever if you're ever like i don't know like through like thomas sowell's like i don't know like one of his basic economics textbooks and you're just like okay this is not basic dude like come on and you need a break (laughs) economics in one lesson is actually really digestible and it's often available for free i know like the freedom of economic uh education is that what it is fee i can't fee remember
0: what that says or yeah, whatever. yeah. They,
1: they give out a lot of free copies so if you're interested it's it's a really easy to get and uh easy to read book
0: all right i'll bump it up on the priority then <laughs> and put would, it in the show almost, notes for
1: people yeah, nice. i would almost
0: say it's like especially worth reading if you think you're not going to enjoy reading it because it's an extraordinarily yeah. excuse me extraordinarily well-written book and very concise and easy to understand like you said donald like i've handed it to people who like have no prior knowledge yeah. of the subject matter and, i was
1: i was yeah, just trying great. to sell it on my co-host uh Britt because he also hasn't read it and i'm like dude you got you got to re- it's so easy you're gonna love it <laughs> i mean he he knows he'll be interested in it but yeah it's it's a good one
0: all right well um you know going from the the economic to the fantasy here um narnia or middle earth for question six
1: Oh, man. So my brain tells me Middle Earth, but my heart tells me Narnia. And the reason <laughs> being that I didn't really grow up with Lord of the Rings at all. I, I have not read the books. I've read The Hobbit. I did not enjoy it because I'd known the plot of The Hobbit. <laughs> this is so this is so silly. I knew the plot of The Hobbit roughly because I'd seen it done a million times in uh, local community theater, of all things. And so, like, reading the book, I'm just like, yep, and now we get to the point with the the people making the stew, and okay, now we get to where they're barging into the house, and everyone, he's all discombobulated, he doesn't want to go on the adventure, okay, we get it, let's wrap this up, come on, man. And um, so and so I <laughs> I didn't enjoy reading The Hobbit very much, and I just had didn't have the heart to read The Lord of the Rings, even though I know they're excellent. I've watched the movies, and I I enjoyed them fine, but I never got obsessed. But I did read Narnia growing up, um, and so and and Narnia is a much simpler uh, set of stories. There's there's a lot less um, depth to them, I think. And it's not like as an adult I'm going to go back to Narnia and be like, yes, I see the complexities of my life in here, uh, whereas you could probably feasibly do that with lord of the rings that being said i just have a i just have a penchant for uh, narnia because i grew up with it all right
0: all right follow-up question to that yeah which is a worse method of consuming the narrative of the hobbit peter jackson (laughs) or community theater
1: I I can't answer honestly because I didn't even see the Peter Jackson movie, so I'm, go- <laughs> I, for that's, now, that's I'm gonna. That's probably okay. I read it,
0: yeah. I, I mean, I just remember being like, "Man, where's like you know Legolas um, defying the laws of physics?" Like, um-
1: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Peter Jackson may have inserted like Legolas into the movie, but I'm sure community theater like inserted like Skippy the dog or something so that the director's <laughs> three year old could be in it or something. You know, I don't really remember. so Skippy the dog. <laughs>
0: has a lot more to do with The Hobbit than Legolas defying the laws of physics and being hot.
1: So, I'm going to be a youth pastor here. Aren't we all like Skippy the dog in some way in our lives, though?
0: <laughs> he's, he's the Tom Bombadil of The Hobbit, man. It's the <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, continuing in on the, uh, uh, the idea of fiction here, um, Martin Luther appears to you in one of your dreams and says now that i've gone to be with the lord i've realized the worst book in the bible wasn't james it was actually blank all along so which book does he tell you
1: there there is no right answer to this you're just gonna get kicked out man saint peter's gonna be like dude i don't know you went on this podcast and you kind of (laughs) insulted the word dude well and remember the word yeah so are you better than him what? No. <laughs>
0: I mean, I mean you are Anglican, I... right? That's like basically Catholic, so.
1: Okay. All right. It's the middle way, Jeremy, the middle way. I'm I was reformed before your denomination was reformed, okay? <laughs> Fair enough. Um gosh. Okay. Well, I I think this is you know, there's a lot more to this book. Um than what I am gonna lambast it for. So obviously this is a wrong answer. But like I said, all of them are wrong. Um I'm gonna say actually Genesis to some degree, only because similar to actually what one of your guests said on the Raisin Cakes episode about Revelation, um, I think Genesis <laughs> often the point of Genesis gets so moved away from and people get so distracted that they're like, you know, oh uh, you know, a, an arc with all those animals and the world flooded. And it becomes like this. And then like we teach our kids in Sunday school, like only that. And none of the actual like theological importance and none of the, even like, you know, um, apologetic defenses of those kinds of things as they grow up. And so then, they go into high school and someone's like really you believe in like this cartoonish version of the bible where you know like a snake walked out and 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 eve took a bite of an apple and you're like you know you don't realize that john milton's the first one who called it an apple and like all these different things about genesis that you have it's a difficult book that people take as easy and because it's the start of the bible everyone who's just like i'm just gonna read the bible starts there and so through no fault of its own i'm gonna say genesis
0: you know that is a very Lutheran answer, or Lutheran, Lutheran, excuse me. a It's a very Lutheran answer because I think Luther was more upset with the abuse of James than yeah than the actual content of it. You know, in his honest moments when he
1: wasn't being just angry about
0: everything because he's German.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> well I, and 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 to throw it back to to my earlier guy augustine uh I, one of my favorite quotes of his is never judge a philosophy by its abuse and that's kind of um a lesson i wish a lot of people would take when it comes to biblical interpretation or, or things like that so yeah that's again i'm sorry uh <laughs> peter let me in the gates please <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right so uh kind of the other side of the coin then for question eight what is the most underrated book in the bible
1: I don't know if this one is underrated, um, necessarily, but one that I think maybe isn't always like, I I think it's like, it's kind of like, um, I don't, it's not popular to say that it's cool, but it is, it is like, it's like, oh, you're one of those guys to like this book, but I'm going to elaborate why I do think it's underrated, which is Ecclesiastes. Um, I think people are oh, did you listen to like good Charlotte in high school? (laughs) So that's why you like Ecclesiastes. (laughs) And um, and it's like yes I did but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> the, it, the, what I love about Ecclesiastes is that it really is the the and and, it's, and this isn't like a deep insight everyone's heard this before but it really is that that full picture of Proverbs um, where Proverbs is teaching you all of the you know the the how you should live and and you're going to be rewarded in these ways for it but then. Um, Ecclesiastes is like, actually not really, because we live in this fallen world, right? We live in this earth. and But I think it, what's important is not only does it complete that, but it completes that in like sort of as a whole picture of what a believer's life is going to be. Because um, as cliche as it is, so many people don't realize that. To have the Christian faith does not mean you don't have doubts, and it doesn't mean you don't wrestle and grapple with those kinds of doubts and, and things. And that's kind of a lot of Ecclesiastes, right? It's I mean, everything is meaningless. Um, you're frustrated because the people who cheat get ahead in life, and, you, and, you, and it's this, this sort of lament of, of sorts in that way. And, um, and I think that that's, it's important to realize that not only is that normal for the Christian, but, like, it's, it's in the Bible. Like, that kind of thing is, like, not only, like, it's okay to have, but it's almost like, yeah, this is going to be part of your Christian walk uh, in seeing the unrighteous succeed. And that actually is kind of a foreshadowing to our verse Uh, that we're going to be talking about later today, but like the, the, the unrighteousness of the world getting a foothold and you feeling despair in that is normal. It's part of the Christian walk and it's not something you need to feel ashamed of necessarily. It's just something you have to sort of process, work through and, and uh, rely back on your faith uh, in the Lord through to work through. And so, and and the counsel of your church and your, and your family and friends and things.
0: All right. Sounds good. Um, Oh, uh, it's your turn to read this one, John. Okay. So question number nine, then, uh, so you gave us the most underrated book of the Bible. Now, how about the most underrated doctrine? This is our hardest question, I think. I don't oh know what I would Oh, my gosh. It, put, on the, put on the
1: Yeah. Spot. Oh, boy. Man. Underrated doctrine? Um, uh, you know what? It's, uh, it's a relationship, not a religion. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like actually um, Got it's in the
0: Apostles' Creed, I think.
1: it's it's in the church home creed maybe i believe Um, in god the father almighty and that it's a relationship not a religion (laughs) i I, I believe in my relationship with daddy god (laughs) the The literal
0: translation of abba father
1: (laughs) um hmm okay here's here's what i will say um again maybe I'm misconstruing the que- the my answer a little bit to not quite I'm mean, you know very politician thing to do answer the question I want to answer not the question you asked but um, I will say the doctrine of uh, and and again this is uh, maybe not like yeah you know, doctrine maybe isn't the right word maybe it is uh, but like the idea of Sola scriptura or uh, or even uh, prima scriptura right the idea of um, the scriptures alone uh, have the things necessary for salvation. Um, I would also consider uh, Prima Scriptura, which is, like, the the scriptures alone have what is necessary for salvation, but other things can be helpful. I think those are kind of similar. I think a lot of times people refer to Sola Scriptura, and they actually mean Prima Scriptura. Um, I I think they're usually pretty similar, and I I wouldn't—unless you're, like, Martin Luther himself, you're probably not really, really mad at one or the other. Um, But I think that it's really—it gets very misconstrued, where um, people— Either when they defend it, they're like, uh, it's, it's scripture, scripture alone, and so that, as long as I'm following the Bible, means that I don't have to go to church, I don't have to obey my church's authority, I'm just going to read the Bible and live it how I read it, and conversely, that's kind of how I think critics of Sola Scriptura think it what it means like a lot of my catholic friends even though i will define no no no, (laughs) it's what is everything that is necessary for salvation is in the scriptures anything that you add on to that can't it cannot stand that doesn't mean that the church doesn't have authority you know to discipline you and and that doesn't mean that the church can't offer um, things that are helpful, like like you know, I'm Anglican, right? So like things like um, confession, for instance, like I don't think you should have to confess to a priest, but I also think that a confession confessing to a priest can be a helpful helpful exercise, especially if you don't have many people in your life to hold you accountable. Um, it can be a really good accountability measure. But it's not. It's not necessary. It's you know, it, it, Christ alone is the one who forgives. It's not this priest. The priest is merely acting as the substitute of Christ, who holds that office. So I, th- I think um, I think sola scriptura often gets maligned in a way where people don't understand it correctly, and so they they underrate it in the sense that they're just like, oh, you just mean you know, the end all be all is the Bible. That's it. Nothing else is helpful in the Christian life. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That is what is necessary for salvation. If you're telling me that I got to do 20 jumping jacks and say my Hail Marys to get into heaven, then you're out of, you know, you get out of here, bucko. But if you're telling me that it's also kind of helpful to have some sort of like church structure so that you don't have Mark Driscoll uh, yelling and firing elders as you will, then I'm like, yeah, no, that's actually probably a helpful thing uh, in, in a Christian's life, though it is not salvific.
0: Yeah. Well stated. I mean, yeah. It, and I like that you distinguish between not just a uh, sola scriptura in that it's authoritative um, and it alone provides what we need for salvation, but also like the primacy of scripture. I yeah. haven't actually heard that. And it must be an Anglican thing. Uh, prima <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think right? so. <laughs> I, mean, <and> I, agree <laughs> I with think that's concept. where it came from. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I agree with the concept. And, and it's certainly like um, <laughs> something you guys talk a lot about on your podcast, the, critical social justice movement and stuff. But like, you know, there's lots of people trying to straight up just import f- far left ideas into the command, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's like, <laughs> you know, that's like big evangelicalism's, you know, main thing these days. It's like, love your neighbor as yourself equals all of these things that aren't in scripture. It's like, well, you know, if we believe in the necessity and the sufficiency of scripture, then we don't need frameworks from alternative ideologies to help yeah. us understand scripture. And it's, there's a lot of different errors people run into when they just think it's me and my Bible, even if they think it's authoritative. <laughs> like, well, no, there's church, there's tradition, there's, you know, the primacy of Scripture, there's its sufficiency, there's, you know, all those things. Mm-hmm. So the clarity of Scripture is another huge one. That's mm-hmm. that's one we got we to gotta talk about that some more at some point. <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter if the Scriptures are sufficient if no human being is empowered by the Spirit to understand it. Yeah. You know? no. Which is why we do this podcast, right? Um, <laughs> uh, and speaking of podcasts, uh, last question we have for you, Donald, uh, number ten: What is your favorite podcast? Think carefully on this one.
1: Okay, um, I'm getting a, a, a J, John, John, three sixteen podcast by Rob Bell, and he tells everyone to love one another. It's just such a happy, clappy, fun time. No, so close, so close. <laughs> in 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 all seriousness, um I do have to shout out probably my my OG what got me on podcasts to begin with, the original uh Tom Wood's show. Um oh, yeah. it's just I was there. I was a day one listener. I was there at the launch of the podcast and I'm still listening. It's it's great. It's classic. Um probably only outdone in the libertarian podcasting world by Lions of Liberty, which I think is a little bit longer running, but I was a I'm a Tom Wood's Uh, show fanatic and loyalist um so i I gotta give it to to tom woods even though i have been enjoying part of the problem by dave smith that one's a little harder to recommend just because it's a little bit more profane and i'm like Mm -hmm. i can't share this with my dad my dad doesn't want to (laughs) hear dave smith (laughs) saying the f word a couple times um so but tom woods however you know he's a square and i like that about (laughs) it i can share that with my parents (laughs) yeah
0: tom woods show Definitely, we're fans of that. Um, I'm. I'm surprised you didn't get another chance there to plug your own podcast, Donald. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: no! Oh no! I I I wouldn't say that my favorite podcast is the Cringe Posts podcast, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Odyssey, any major platform that you want to be, and it's hosted by me and Britt, uh, and we go through cringe posts of people that you see on your feed that make really cringy posts. And politi- I wouldn't say that's my favorite podcast. I just say it's up there. <laughs>
0: that's pretty good. That's good. <laughs> I think we've gotten a good chance to kind of get to know our, our guest today a little
1: better. And, um, and for that, I'm sorry. I'm really, really <laughs> sorry. I, I apologize for
0: putting Donald uh, in front of all of you and uh, our <laughs> listening audience. And um, uh, But uh, I think I think now we can, I guess, transition to, to our verse for today. And, and gentlemen, I think we need to establish here at the outset, Habakkuk or Habakkuk? How is this pronounced? <laughs> like, what are we going to... Uh, I know we're like English speakers and there's probably not one way to do it, but I don't know. I'm going to go insane if we don't pick one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, I'm just uh, going to try my best to go back and forth between the two of them over the course of the episode. <laughs> I, I'm looking at how to pronounce it in Hebrew now because I don't...
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I um. I will tell you that I will choose whichever one you definitively decide it is not. And that will be my... <laughs> Oh it's oh yeah so it's
0: it's a cook a cook it's not even a b it's a, it's a v it uh, like so it's like have a cook
1: have a cook <laughs> yeah. uh, just in time for the meat <laughs> <laughs> you say wow. it's time
0: for the meat
1: and, and for that today we
0: have a cook <laughs> there go it's it's perfect <laughs> <laughs> all right so true to form with our our standard convention for the podcast we uh we like to let our guests the first time they're on uh bring the the scripture verse that we'll be digging into so uh donald i think you have prepared for us a uh, a verse that you're wanting to, to to hit us with so i'll tell you i haven't i haven't prepped anything on this i don't know if jeremy's prepped anything on it at all so uh go ahead take a us a, take us away see um uh, what wh- what verse are we doing and what what kind of things do you have for us
1: yeah so just from the outset, I am not a a biblical scholar by any means i I try to do my due diligence with apologetics and uh knowing what I need to know and studying in a in a reasonable lay manner, but I don't have you know a a scholastic background in in any sort of biblit or anything like that wait um, wait so this- Jeremy wait why, why do we have this guy on the podcast yeah i i i, I, gre- I greased some palms okay, we, okay. Oh, there we go. Okay, there's okay. A,
0: but what You're i will say is, is john who also doesn't know anything <laughs> um
1: and so w- w- the reason why i picked this was not for some because like I, I i'm thinking about some of your other verses where there's just so much in depth and and really good context now this one does not have a lot of depth to the to the initial like Here's the actual real big picture context. It's just kind of really funny. And I think there's a lot of big, broad themes we can talk about. And I talked about this with Jeremy. So we're going to go ahead this route. And I think it's going to be a great time. But we're going to start with the verse, which is, and I'm going to, again, changing this up every time. So Habakkuk uh, 1, 5. And that verse reads, look at the nations and watch. And be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. That's the verse, and uh, this is just (laughs) such a lovely verse, isn't it? It's just so
0: great work in my life. Yeah, (laughs) and so I can uh, I I can hear I can hear the you know the 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 people who are going to be like misusing this
1: verse. Speaking of those people, I thought as a little bit of a cross promotion here, I would bring you four quick cringe posts um, that I <laughs> yes. saw using this verse. So um, first one reads uh, that they, they, they post the verse uh, and then they post, I pray for you and I pray for myself. According to Habakkuk 1 5, God will surprise us and perfect all that concerns us in Jesus name. All right. So remember that he's going to surprise us and he's going to perfect. Okay. Um. Next one. This is going on even if we can't see it now. This is our hope. And then cites Habakkuk one I feel number already. <laughs> number three here. We've got Habakkuk one quoted, and and this one, um, this one's like uh, one of those like uh, corporate pictures where it's like a waterfall in the background and the text is overlaid and stuff like that which is it's really inspirational and it's got habakkuk 1 5 there and then uh, and then it reads one of the reasons no one believes is because the message is almost unbelievable (laughs) okay so one of the reasons that people don't believe the message of god's word is because it's almost unbelievable citing (laughs) it's right there in the
0: text can't you see it
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes and then lastly and this one breaks my heart because just like so often on cringe posts this is from someone i personally know and like (laughs) and um this one i found on on by searching and uh cites habakkuk 1 5 which i will read one more time just for the full and you know bookend here look among the nations and see wonder and be astounded for i am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told overwhelmed with gratitude for jesus's sovereignty and faithfulness in my life celebrating the work he has done the work he is doing and the work he will do trusting in the one who makes all things new so those are the the cringe posts now we don't know why those are cringe posts yet right because it sounds like a nice verse he's making things that are gonna we don't know we're not gonna expect yeah i was about to (laughs) say like three three quarters
0: of those are kind of like you know maybe a little over earnest but yeah I i can jive i can jive
1: yeah now um (laughs) <laughs> unfortunately, the things that he was doing that we wouldn't believe if we're told uh, would be that we were the nation state of Israel and we were about to be conquered by the Babylonians. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> for, for context of the Babylonians, you know, if you're if you're familiar with Bible stories, you might know about like the Philistines because like, you know, that was David fought, you know, Goliath of evil Philistine. Well, as far as I'm aware, maybe I could be wrong on this, but from what I understand, the the Babylonians were like five times worse than the Philistines. They were the most debaucherous, awful, uh, just repugnant uh, nation out there. And so, um, yeah, I was going to say verse six will tell you this. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. Verse seven. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. And then the whole like rest of that segment is literally just talking about how horrible these people are.
0: I'm not reading it right now. I have it pulled up. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an
1: eagle swift to devour. <laughs> you know, the only... The only redeeming factor they have is found in verse 10 they mock kings and scoff at rulers so that's their only redeeming quality (laughs) so um so so here's the thing now now obviously the point of this verse and, and and the whole book of habakkuk is sort of uh this prophet going back and forth with god being and him literally not believing and sort of you know almost arguing with god like how could you do this how can you raise up this immoral uh disgusting horrible uh tribe of people to come conquer us like how and, and the idea of god's providence through it all because israel had become wicked and needed to be set astray and, and all these things so ultimately all of these cringe posts are not Not literally off the mark in the sense that, you know, they're saying things like the work he's doing and he will do is good and we're trusting him. Like, those are fine. But I just don't. Oh, you know, (laughs) here's the thing. Here's the thing. That last one I posted was maybe not the most cringy one. The reason I included it is because of a comment from someone else that says, that's my favorite verse <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and then the notes,
0: it's like it's the very next verse it's like sometimes on this podcast <laughs> we we have to go deep in the weeds to like like in the last episode we talked about like uh, Still births after being mm-hmm. hit, a pregnant woman yeah. being hit we had to like literally look at the medical evidence and, and this yeah. was literally just the next verse said like <laughs> and I'm gonna kill you with an army
1: <laughs> a foul okay. disgusting repugnant army to be clear <laughs> yeah. alright
0: so I, got, I gotta I got come clean on this so I, I again I didn't do any prep at all and so literally <laughs> you reading it to me was the first time that I heard it <laughs> And it was until you got to the end of the fourth post and I'm starting to think through it I'm like, oh yeah, this is kind of weird. I'm like, yeah, 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 because like doing a great thing is you know probably something about like, you know, the return from the exile or something. Like, yeah. so like so what, what's what's the thing here? Right? I'm like, and I'm like, oh, oh wait. Oh no. Oh, I know where this is
1: going. <laughs> the moment you see the plot twist as it's happening, you're like, oh no. Well, and so and oh, that so was, that's that like, what's too good. Oh, Uh, This last one where it's like, that's my favorite verse. It's like, dude, if that's your favorite verse, you should probably be aware of the context in which it lies. Like, my goodness, right? Mm -hmm. So... So and then and then, of course, but like I said, um, we also don't want to let off people who are only mocking like you can't use that verse to talk about God's providence, because no, really, it is talking about God's redemptive work through a horrible circumstance. And so this is, you know, what I was kind of alluding to when I was talking about Ecclesiastes um, is that the Bible is full of these these, you know, reassurances that like bad things happen and they happen for a reason. And you're not to sort of think like not you're not supposed to think like oh i just have to deal with this until it goes away it's almost like i'm called to to be built up for this you know i'm called to to respond and to learn and to use this as a time of sharpening myself and honing myself those kinds of things um and so and so anyway but so some of some of the broader just topics that i thought would be kind of interesting you know talking about this is like one just kind of that idea about like how we do have this culture especially with big eva of of, I mean and I am talking more of the Rob Bell uh Joel Osteen types you know that use these kinds of verses deceptively um and then they they sell the life of the totally uh you know god wants you to have that parking spot believer and um and, and just how, how how much of a disservice that is not only to the to the script itself and the context where it's literally verse 6 6 but it's also just a disservice to the, the entire message of the gospel and of Jesus's life um and then secondarily I thought just because you know of my my uh bent and because of where you guys are in your political series you know talking about rulers and authorities I thought it also brought up a very interesting discussion having to do with God using immoral things like we might argue the state and the government in many cases um as punishment for the righteous um, and those kinds of things so i don't know if there's any where you wanted to start or themes you wanted to tackle but those were just kind of my big broad all right let's just yak about these ideas since really there's not much more digging into the context since we we know (laughs) what thing we would not believe if we were told
0: (laughs) well in this podcast we are very friendly um at the idea of dunking on joel osteen that's a, yeah. we're, we're, we're so, very pro dunk on Osteen uh, okay that's, that's good part of our mission statement I think so um.
1: <laughs> one, one of your uh, underrated doctrines right yeah, yes yes <laughs> uh
0: so maybe we can start with your first point just because it's sound, sounded really tantalizing and fun uh. yeah <laughs> how
1: uh, well I guess okay here's here's a good have either of you been to a like a mega church um, yourselves like have you ever been to a service uh, and witnessed this firsthand
0: not a Joel Osteen style one but uh, you mentioned Mark Driscoll earlier I, I've been at um, Mars Hill a few times back when it was around here in Seattle mm-hmm. um, wasn't a regular full, attender, but I visited a few services
1: full disclosure I went to Mars Hill while uh, while it was active for my first year at NU actually and I, I it was it was a big church it didn't have this atmosphere Mark Driscoll has his own problems but for for what it's worth I actually had a great experience at Mars Hill myself personally. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, I think that Mars Hill was a very unique thing. It's probably not yeah. so much what we're talking about.
1: No, um, no, I think he would he would not emphasize the uh, the the walk of ease in the Christian life. I don't think that was Mark Driscoll's flavor. <laughs> he would
0: emphasize the walk of um, <laughs> the walk of submitting to your elders. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or your elder rather. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes,
1: What about have you have you ever been to anything like that, Jonathan? Uh, is there any big church near you? Like uh, no,
0: I'd say, mercifully, I have been spared from uh, uh, this kind of um, Bible mm. teaching at, at the regular church that I go to. Um, <laughs> that 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 being said, it, I, I do have kind of this um, uh, uh, g- maybe guilty pleasure, would be the way that I describe it, of uh, listening to mm. sermons from churches like this. <laughs> yeah, totally. Just, it's kind of like, it's just morbid curiosity of like, you know, you, you can't look away from the train wreck of like, I just, like, how how is he going to mangle this? You know, it's a, Mm -hmm. so, so, so I do like, I've like watched a number of sermons and and, and stuff that do this kind of thing before. And yeah, and it is, it is really painful to, to, to see people. um, Yeah. I'd say like abusing scripture to, you know, like, I'm just going to like rip this thing out of context and then twist it up into whatever shape I need to have it. Then say the point that I'm really, you know, trying to make, um, there's a there's a, a youtuber uh maybe we've mentioned this before of uh, uh his name is chris roseborough who uh you know coined the term narcissism um of, uh, <laughs> reading uh, yourself into the text <laughs> yeah yeah so narcissistic isogesis e- <laughs> uh, oh, that's great I swear. and 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 i think that's sort of the, the 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 perfect encapsulation of that of you know this verse of like you know i'm, I'm doing this great work and it's like oh immediately i'm gonna uh, jump to the application that this is about me like you know r- it, like And if you challenge somebody on it, they'd be like, oh, no, of course it's about Israel, but then like Israel the church, right? So it's really about, you know, and then church really means me. So it's really about me. <laughs> and uh, it's just like, oh, there's like so many levels of, of leaping that just happened right there. Um but yeah no but but it, it's totally a thing that, that uh, you know it, it, it's it's like in the air of evangelicalism that uh, uh, oh, like you read this verse and, and it, it has to be a like have direct application to your life right And so let's yeah. just do the like first approximation, you know stick you know subtly stick me in you know at, at the end of each of the sentences um, and, and, and yeah and so then when you just get these like really juicy you know one you know liners right here, it's just so tantalizing to be like, oh yes this wonderful thing. And and it feels good when you hear it. You're like, yeah, the Lord is going to do wonderful, good things for me. You know, even though it doesn't say good in the passage, you kind of feel that <laughs> one. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course they're good. The Lord's judgments are always
1: good. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll get to that one in a second, but um,
0: <laughs> yeah, it, like it makes me think of there's you know a couple other passages that uh, are are like this, and maybe I'm ruining a future podcast episode that we do, but I'm thinking of uh, I think it's is it Psalm two that says you know the Lord laughs. Uh, you the know, Lord holds like, them in derision. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like the Lord laughs of like, see, you know, God has a sense of humor. It's like, n- n- no, no, that's that's not at all. You know, it for, for the kings with a rod of iron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah Psalm, Psalm two is all about, you know, how the Messiah is going to come and crush all of his, you know, enemies, and how the, you know, nations are standing against yeah. him. and The Lord's just like, ah, look at this, you know, and sm- smushing them right. And it's like, <laughs> that's not really the kind of funny that I think you're really going for there.
1: <laughs> and well, my that's pitch true. for why we need stand-up comedy at church <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i think that's true though i, I think people um and, and i think the the issue is not really habakkuk 1 5 the issue is um and, and this is also reminiscent of, of jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which john and i did a whole podcast episode on maybe we'll we'll mention that in the show notes as well because i think there's going to be a lot of crossover ideas and and I I do think that's one of our best episodes, by the way. I was super super happy with that one. Oh, um, thanks, so, Jeremy. <laughs> so I think the, I wrote in that spite one, right? of Jonathan? Well, <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, no. It's like it's um kind of these similar concepts where you know I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. The problem is not so much the verse itself and the taking out of context. The problem is like the sort of lack of biblical literacy that would lead someone to make that mistake to begin with. You know, like not checking a reference in Habakkuk or Jeremiah to see if it has something to do with violent bloodshed instead of <laughs> <laughs> like you know you just don't know anything about the prophets if you yeah. you know it's uh, like especially one of the positive. later prophets it's like there's a lot less like you know
1: hope and you know restoration stuff in
0: <laughs> you know some of those later prophets you, it's
1: like you you saying that like that would be a commonly known theme is giving a lot of benefit of the doubt to a lot of these people who are citing that like they wouldn't even know the broad theme that Later profits are going to be less hopeful. Like that's not even something that crosses their mind, right? And to Jeremy's point, um, I think that the that's that's the really worrying thing is that a lot of the people, because like for instance, the, the last person who, whose post I, I referenced, like I like this person. They're not a they're not they're not stupid. They're not. Um, I, I have no reason to think their faith is not entirely genuine, those kinds of things. You know, it's not like they're just some huckster like Casey Treat or, um, I don't know, Judas Smith, someone who I'm very, very skeptical of and, and think very well has malintent um, at best or is just woe, woefully woefully deceived. I don't think that of this person. But the problem is that the, the, the church culture in so many that has been built up by people like that has made it so that even if you're not going to a church that is run by someone like that, that's not a Judah Smith, that's not a Joel Osteen, that's not a Casey Treat, it has the the culture and style of those people uh, with someone who's maybe very earnest and correct. But they're more interested in getting across what they want to talk about in their sermon, and so they Google search the verse, they you know, verses about hope, <laughs> verses about despair versus about you know whatever broad theme and then they're like look we can cite six different passages in my sermon to back up this point that I'm trying to make and so maybe they're talking about a primary text but they use these other ones sort of secondarily tertiarily, all these things to, to to back up without doing that same sort of contextual research and then that sort of culture gets passed on to the congregation and students and people who are walking away thinking wow that's such a lovely verse And then not doing that research. And like, you know, you're not putting in that, like, I need to do a textual study on this before I try to cite it to my specific ends or before I take away hope from it or something like that. Um, It kind of makes me think how, like, having a favorite Bible verse is interesting. I think a lot of people have favorite Bible verses that are holdovers from their youth for a long... (laughs) So here's my self-cringe. Ready? Here's my... Oh, sure. to shout out my myself, my my podcast here where we do our own self-dunking. Here's here's my self-dunk. For a long time, people when I was growing up asked me what my favorite Bible verse was. Cause that's just kind of a thing that like Christian culture asks, especially when you're a kid. For some reason. I don't know. It's like having a favorite color or a favorite animal. It's like, what's your favorite Bible verse? My favorite Bible verse for a long time was Revelation uh was it four? I can't even remember the, the citation I now, you were but say it's like twenty one f- eight. No, 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 no. <laughs> a go to hell. There's a song about that um, one, but uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just really quick. Uh, it should be. Um, I thought it was a favorite verse, man. How do you not know the reference? (laughs) It's well, well, it's it's uh, four eight. There we go. It's it's well, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why specifically in a second here. So it was, was, you know, um, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and isn't, is to come. Now it's not a bad verse. It's not. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, But specifically, and here's why I couldn't remember it because specifically people would ask what my favorite verse was. I wouldn't say Revelation four eight. I would say. Revelation 4, 8b, because that's where that starts. Now, why is that important, you ask? Because that was my favorite Bible verse, because it was the last Bible verse that we had to memorize in my Wednesday night young kids class in order to win the first prize. And it was a short verse. And so I was able to do it quickly. And I was the first person to do it on that day. And I was the first person to win that year, uh, the scholarship (laughs) to the Christian camp that summer. That's why it was my favorite Bible verse, because it was the, the the finish line. So, yes, the reason why it was Revelation 4, 8b, very specifically, is because that was the exact citation. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that one I can remember. It's short. It's easy. It sounds nice. That's my favorite verse. So people would ask me that was my ready response. Like That's a good reason. <laughs>
0: John and I were Bible quizzers. We get it. That's yeah. good. That's good, man. You probably won some quizzes back in the day on some random, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, it's, so to me, that's that's where, and, and the problem is, like, I don't know. I think in high school, at some point, I was like in a Bible class, thinking, like, like I mean, it's not a bad verse, but is that my? Is it really my favorite? Like, I don't like. Like, man, if we're just talking about like mere application, like Colossians 3.23, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man. That's like, I I resonate a lot more with that. That one sort of drives me when I'm like feeling, you know, like, man, I don't want to do this thing. You're like, no, work for God. Not for, you're not doing this for humans. You think, keep your mind on the eternal. Like that's so much more of an inspiration to me than, than this random verse. Why am I still touting this long? And so to me, that's kind of a similar thing where I think a lot of people just hear these verses, they they have this culture of the verses not being expounded, not not treating the Bible and, and the text of scripture as a sacred thing. They they treat it like it's this poetry book or this, um, I don't know, da- daily inspirations calendar kind something, of thing.
0: Something you quote at the beginning of each chapter of your devotional or your yeah. <laughs> your Christian living uh, right. book that goes on the shelves and gets sold at you know the local christian bookstore i mean that's kind of rick warren's thing is what i'm thinking you know you throw the bible verse at the beginning of the chapter or whatever and it's just in a different translation in every chapter the one that sounds the most inspirational (laughs) exactly yeah yeah and we we talked about this a little bit in our um episode on the romans road where you know it's you know the verses are good and and like they're really good and, and, and it's not it's not so much the you know quoting the verse and like and we're also very pro memorizing scripture too. so it's mm-hmm, not even the mm-hmm. issue of like you know you should not memorize things but you know it, it's it's more the idea that that the you can distill down uh, that, that, that on the one hand you want to be distilling down like doctrines and truths into something that's bite-sized that you can hold on to but at the other time but on the other side of it it's like but it has to still be a verse. Like you know but but it doesn't work just to distill it it has to still be a scripture thing because we also are like you know our evangelicalism we at least nominally very pro-scripture and so it like i want it, i want it bite-sized but i also want it to be from the bible and so it's kind of this weird now like okay i'll just like pick the verse that kind of comes in the closest approximation and and really what i'm doing is summarizing and so it doesn't actually matter what the context of the verse is and i think that's really where the issue is is it, it's like what you're really trying to do is summarize something. And so the, the the summary idea that you have isn't even necessarily wrong. And the point that you're trying to make isn't even necessarily a bad point. And like, maybe it's a really good point. But if it's not what the verse actually means in context, then, you know, maybe just summarize it yourself. Like come up with, you know, it in your own words and then, you know, just be forthright with what you're actually doing.
1: Well, and there's that, like that's this whole idea. That's exactly right.
0: This whole idea in this verse is much better taught Taught in, you know, the Romans eight thirty eight and thirty nine. Um, or sorry, no, it's um. It's a little earlier in chapter 8. It's the, the I think it's 828. 828, yeah. Uh, for those who, who love God, all things work together for good. We have also talked about that on this podcast. Um, but And that one is also somewhat taken out of context. But the actual meaning of that verse is like literally God is doing a great work in your life. And all things that happen are to the, the gain of Christ's people. That is the meaning of that verse. It's not mm-hmm. the meaning of Habakkuk 1, five. No. It is the meaning of Romans 8.20. <laughs> like it's a true thing. But it, it, it's very like I, I like that you mentioned the sacredness of scripture, Donald, because it's like it's not good enough to have the correct idea and attach it to texts that have nothing to do with that. Because now we're exactly. not actually sitting at the feet of the prophet Habakkuk and learning what he had to say, we're not learning what the Holy Spirit inspired through him, which is, you know, more and it's just as inspired as what Paul wrote, just as inspired as anything that might be more inspirational. We don't have to turn the invasion of the Babylonians, um, you know, into something that's, that can fit on a precious moments collectible, you know, it, <laughs> <laughs> like it can just speak for itself and be like, you know, Oh yeah, I, I, I wouldn't believe that. That sounds terrible. <laughs> like, <you> know, it, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's amazing literature on its own. And, and, and we need to let Habakkuk speak for himself instead of like, you know, uh, squeezing him into some sort of mold. Um, you know, <laughs> which I which I should say, if the John three fifteen podcast ever does merchandising. We need to do precious moments that are, like, all of the really, like, gnarly verses. Women should remain silent in the churches and must remain in submission as the law says. Yeah, just, like, on a plaque, in nice script or something. I you mean, know, like. if, the, uh, the if Ezekiel I could say... stuff about, like, the two whores. <laughs> if, if,
1: JL if pounding the, you know,
0: tent spike through the guy's head. and. If
1: I could pitch, I think I think Habakkuk would make a nice a shirt. On the front, you have 1-5. And then on the back, you have like six through ten and just like this picture of this horrible, evil person, you know, (laughs) just like you would not believe it. And then it's just like listing out all the things you wouldn't believe. Um,
0: (laughs) The comedian Tim Hawkins has a really good routine on this where he talks about like how... How people will paint nurseries with like Noah's Ark and like the Ark and all of the like the animals and t- Tim Hogg is he's a hilarious Christian guy and and he has a whole routine about like you know hey son can you help me paint some more screaming dying people on this rock
1: <laughs> um, but here's the, so here, but here's the here's the thing right it's it's almost like um, as a culture we've we've become really opposed to the idea of gatekeeping things. Um, just in broad strokes. on the one hand we have we do have a, a problem with cancel culture, but we also have a problem with gatekeeping things. It's a very interesting conflict of ideas. but the interesting thing about it is like no we we actually should be gatekeeping scripture. We should be gatekeeping the application of, and and use of scripture t- for your certain points because scripture is not supposed to conform to what the point you're making. You're supposed to make the point from scripture. And so it's like I could see someone citing Habakkuk 1 five in the wake of, or in the midst of a very serious trial in their life. Like, let's say they got unexpected cancer. Someone that they, 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 you know, love had cancer, and that's not what they were expecting, not what they were planning, but they're saying through the midst of it, either in currently or in retrospect, like, I know God is faithful, uh, and and this is, you know, f- things will... Like, that to me is a much more appropriate use of that kind of a verse, where you you are referencing, you're taking the lesson from Habakkuk, and, and even then, it's a little iffy only because in this particular verse, the things have not yet happened. And so it's less about learning in the moment, like, like learn from this thing that is happening or has happened. But even still, I'm, I'm, I'd am i be much more, you know, I'm willing to sort of see benefit of the doubt there if it's through the strain of like, not like, God's going to do great things for you, don't worry, more like, like here's this horrible thing or or traumatic thing that's happening or happened to me and yet and even still you know I know that these things God even though I'm not expecting them I know that that they're fine that to me strikes as a much more appropriate use and we should sort of gatekeep and bully people out of using them in in dumb ways not not you know bullying them with grace and love and not and not <laughs> <laughs> not, not harassing but, Speaking but you know what truth I mean we um, <laughs> yes. with salt. We give them, yeah, give them, a, <laughs> give them a nice precious moments card from the from the John uh, three fifteen podcast. But on you know <laughs> scribble like stop using that verse, man.
0: Um, we could we could have greeting cards. It's you know your uh, uh, condolences
1: for your mangling of scripture, uh, or <laughs> <laughs> maybe you could uh, we could have like hey come over to my place uh, for a dinner of nice sacred raisin cakes. You know. <laughs>
0: yeah, there yes. you go.
1: A lot of opportunities here. But, but that's, that's kind of my, my thoughts on, on that broadly speaking. And, and, and again, like I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but I do think it is interesting that I've, I've had the misfortune of going to like home church or, which was formerly city church, um, which is Judah Smith. I've been to, um, I can't remember the name of it. It's Northwest something. It's Casey treats church. Who's another Uh. big mega church pastor. And I went – We I went each of those times um, once I actually went to Casey Treats Church with my dad. And he, he took me specifically. He said, now, I want you to listen for every time he brings up money. And I was like – I don't know. I think I was 14 or something. I was like, okay. And literally that – he's like, you know what? Casey Treats up there. He's like, we – uh, we, we mortgaged our house to help pay for this building. You know, we, we mortgaged our house and, and, and I, so people come up to me all the time. like, you talk about money too much. You talk about money too much, but the Bible talks about money. And it was, it was so meta to hear my dad say, listen to how much he brings up uh, money. And then for him to be like, people always say I bring up money too much. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, and then when I went to, to home church, it was called city church at the time. I went at uh, Northwest when I was at going to Northwest to, just to see, And it was, it's just, it's interesting because you, to me, I walk away from those experiences. Like there's no way that like critical thinkers can, can go into this and, and think this is what the scripture they're using means. But, but people do. And what's worse is again, that culture pervades into other more well-meaning people. And so maybe they're not someone like Casey Treat, who I think is probably pretty ill-intentioned. Maybe they're not a Casey Treat. But Casey Treats influence is enough out there that they take a lot of the bad habits from Casey Treat and they apply them in a well-intentioned but ultimately harmful way, um, and that's kind of where where you get people that have a lot of misprioritized things about citing or quoting or favoriting verses.
0: Well, it definitely yeah, because I, I think out. there's yeah. I think there's a a cultural influence that they have where mm-hmm. you know people who are very high profile. Um, who do teach in this way then sort of set up expectations for how people, you know, you know, you don't need to necessarily go to a mega church, but if you as a parishioner of another church see and like are, are, you you know, hear this kind of teaching, you know, maybe there's a sermon that gets shared or a clip that gets shared or something. And it it kind of just like ends up in people's expectations for like, Oh, this is what like powerful, like, you know, like teaching sounds like this is, this is, this is when it's, like, really good, you know, because of, like, high mm. production value, basically. Um, and then if those are your expectations, it's hard to not kind of just have that then subtly work its way into how lots of churches operate. And then, yeah, which is kind of like what you're saying right there, where it's like it's not that anybody is – in a lot of these cases, it's not necessarily that a person is setting out to misuse scripture. But just because of the expectations for how people are expecting sermons to have, like, sound – that you're like, oh, well, you know, if I if, if I tweak this just a little bit, then it'll, you know, more confirm to people's expectations. And, you know, maybe not even consciously thinking about it on those terms, but that's the the way that it kind of ends up in in people's... Uh, yeah, so that, that's the way it kind of, like, makes its way through evangelicalism. Well, and it creates mm-hmm. a vocabulary, too. It, it informs, like, a, a, what we call Christianese, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. which effects i mean and so part of this Habakkuk 1:5 this people see great work um doing this you know in in your days a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you there's several theologically loaded words there um things like you know god's going to do great like the word great um you could probably come up with like 10 really well established christianese definitions for the word great and like scripturally, it's like really tenuous, whether any of those definitions have much to do with any particular use of the word great, you know, or mm-hmm. a work, you know, like works are not always good, like the good works, right? They can be, you know, works for bad, even the Lord, like bringing about something calamitous on people. So, so I think when you have this, like this Christian vocabulary that gets formed by these culturally relevant and, and influential, um, you know, whether they're full prosperity people like Joel Osteen or Casey Treat or um more mild i think like judah smith i I would say is is a little more in the middle of that spectrum or at least he was when i was aware of what he was up to Uh, you know it it all informs that you know um talking about belief in certain ways uh believing for something is something people say i'm believing that god will do this for me and so so i think in the in the end like i think people approach verses like these With an informed vocabulary, and that's why they're they assume they know what it means because it couldn't mean anything else until you (laughs) look at the context, you know. And there's all sorts of words that are like that, you know, words like salvation, even is a super like misunderstood word. People think salvation is like when you go forward at an altar call and pray to receive Jesus, and it's like the word salvation encompasses the entire process of being redeemed by the blood of Christ. I mean, salvation can be sanctification. Salvation, actually, in the Bible can be literally getting saved from a conqueror trying to kill you. It's yeah, not yeah. Even, I was about it's to say, like, theological. You know, yeah, I was about to say, most of the uses in the Old Testament of the, like, you know, things like salvation aren't even necessarily directly related to something that we would think of as, you know, like, Spiritual regeneration, or something like that, it's like literally like a conqueror's knocking on your gate, and so the Lord will save you. Right? Yeah. Like it's important to not like ease define how we read things, you know. And this is an egregious example because literally you just read the next verse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it can also be a lot more subtle. And, and and let's be honest, as much as we like to you know dunk on on <laughs> these four cringe posters on a back with one five, as much as we love doing that on this podcast, I mean, I've absolutely. Quoted a verse, assumed I knew what it meant, and just gotten schooled by somebody. <laughs> this did happen in, in one of my um, New Testament classes at NU. It was a professor I argued with a lot because he wasn't a Calvinist, um, and I was in my <laughs> cage stage. and And we were talking about like I don't know, it, it, it was something in that First Corinthians eleven passage about coming together to eat the Lord's Supper, about recognizing the body of the Lord or whatever. And he just I remember he just ghouled me in front of the whole class he was like well you just cited that verse but it's not even talking about that it's talking about like coming together for the lord's supper and i was like i had memorized it in bible quizzing like literally all of first corinthians and i like mm-hmm. three or four seconds passed and i was like oh my gosh he's he's so completely right in every way
1: <laughs> I'm completely <laughs> wrong <laughs> right?
0: yeah like but you know i was trying to win points in an, in an argument with someone far smarter than me and older than me <laughs> Yeah, but I think it's it's the point is it's easy to to make these mistakes actually when it's infected our culture. It's not like every time we cite a scripture we we are going to read the whole chapter. It's easy to do. Yeah, so so if if this is kind of like a common thing that happens, like why why do you think Habakkuk one five is one of those verses that gets used in particular? You know, because like in this case, it's you're saying particularly egregious. You know, just go to the next verse. So why do you think this is the verse that ends up in you know people's you know on people's posts and things like that
1: so i i have a i have maybe what's unorthodox of a theory here but i this is just what jumps to mind i think there's there's two reasons one is because of the electronic ability to search by topic and to just see isolated verses in a list and then this feeds into the second reason people wanting to be semi-original so everyone knows the jeremiah verse everyone Mm. knows that Mm. one but not as many people know the habakkuk one and so if i'm just a little bit vain if i'm just a little bit got that pacific northwest hipster vibe i might not want to pick the most mainstream verse i might want to go down the list scroll down just a few on this list of completely out of context isolated verses by theme and you see Ah, he will do a great work. And as we all know, the word great always means it's a good, happy, good thing. Not like great as in, you know, big scaled, right? Great can only mean be happy and good. Therefore, I think this is it. I think this is the verse for me. Uh, that's my theory, and maybe I'm maybe I'm totally wrong. But but I because and 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 the reason why I say this is because that's exactly how I'm prone to behave too. Like that's my <laughs> instinct naturally as well. I mean, Jeremy's talking about his verse. I don't know that I've ever been publicly uh, schooled myself, but I've done the things that could very easily lead me to that. I mean, as 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 rec- I mean, I guess it's not that recently now, which is like wow years fly. But as recently as like my senior year in college, um, I remember. I was, I, I was writing a speech for, I was, I was uh, awarded the uh, College of Arts and Science speaker for the end of the year, which I was very grateful to receive. And so I was writing a speech for that, um, that I was supposed to give on something we'd learned during our time at NU. And so my whole, uh, my whole speech was about sort of like being open-minded in a world of straw men arguments and how we need to like keep an open mind. Don't, that doesn't mean be a moderate. Doesn't doesn't mean don't be, don't have, you know, values. It just means... Be open to the idea you could be wrong, right? And then and then understand your opponent's viewpoints from their perspective, yada, yada. And then I, re- I read, like, the rubric on it, and NU being NU was like, you need to make sure to have, like, a Bible tie-in or, like, a biblically-themed verse tie-in. And I'm like, really? This is so <laughs> contrived. And so I did that. I searched, like – because, you know, I know there are verses – and I know there are passages and 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 chapters talking about how we need to, you know, be, keep each other sharp in the faith and how we need to be, you know, honest and, and those kinds of things. So I'm like, I'll Quick just find listen, something
0: slow to speak. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to put this in, insert it into the speech and move on. And that's what I did. Probably the weakest part of the whole speech, right? It's just me citing a Bible verse because I felt like another. You know, I'm obligated to do this and I just used that you know search verse by theme kind of thing and plopped it in there out of context now i don't think my context is wrong i didn't ever go back and get schooled on uh by some professor or anything like that but it's very possible that i could have completely misused the verse's intent again the the application may not be wrong but it's maybe not what the verse itself is saying and um and so i don't know i i see those 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 uh inclinations in myself and so how much easier is it to want to to search out of context and then also choose something that's not the most popular, not the most to make you seem like you're smarter than you are more well versed in the scriptures than you are. Um, And even when you know better uh, and you, and you're aware that it's a problem, it's still something that, that sounds appealing to the, and it's just kind of a human nature problem to some degree, I guess. And, and, here's here's one one other sort of tangent i'll make and and here's because i have of course dunked a little bit on catholics here's here's my olive branch to them when it comes to the scriptures um i think i think reformed people are also very good about this for the record but um one of the big objections that that the catholic church has had and and had in the past which i think is a wrong objection for the record i'm I'm very reformed in this way but was they didn't want to give um, the vernacular Bible because they wanted it interpreted by a priest, by an educated authority, you know? And to me, that led to consolidated power in a bad way and misinterpretations and misapplications. But the the sort of warning of like, anyone's going to take the Bible and read it out of context and, and, you know, read their own interpretation willy-nilly is a very real problem. And it's one that in a very... I'll say evangelically cultured Christian circle in the U.S. and the West—that is a big problem, and why podcasts like your own are great and and try to remedy that. Um, and that's one of those things that that I think this is a, this is that symptom of right one of the one of the burdens we have to bear being a a uh, you know reformed Protestant culture of Christianity is now the work of of finding those verses in context it's on you you have to be the the bigger person you have to build yourself up you can't just rely on your priest to do all the reading and interpreting for you you that it's now on you to some degree um, which I think is a very important thing that you need to emphasize and do as a part of the Christian life. Also, I think that's true in other areas, not just your your own Bible studies, but also just work and stuff. And that's part of, part of the reason why I'm a libertarian. But, um, you know, I think that we are biblically commanded to do the work ourselves in many ways and to build ourselves up and to be um, these experts. But that's just one of the burdens that we've had to bear. And I think one of the fruits of the Reformation has been people dropping the ball on that sometimes and that's why we have this culture of judas smith types influencing others um into this well laziness i I guess you could say
0: i think that theory carries a lot of water with me and i I, maybe this is i'm also kind of biased because i'm just envisioning the uh hip judas smith kind of mega church pastor like googling verses about uh god doing a work in our life right and then he sees this like habakkuk 1 5 and he's like Habakkuk, is that like one of the apocryphal books? <laughs> <laughs> Savage. And then he, you know, and, and then he's like, Oh, wait, no, no, no. And then he starts going through the books of the Bible, like Genesis, Exodus, it le- sings le- the le- song. Yep. And then he's like, Oh, Habakkuk, oh, and and then he's like, Oh, that's a good one. No one will, <laughs> no one's heard this verse before. It's that's and it's Old a...
1: <laughs> Testament, like bonus points. <laughs>
0: I mean yeah I think that I think that makes sense and and then of course people don't know Habakkuk I mean off the top of my head I'll be honest like I don't I don't really know what's in Habakkuk it's been a long time since I've spent like time memorizing which prophet in the minor prophets was prophesying to who at what time so like I didn't know coming into this podcast um, so so like yeah and it's I don't know it makes sense that that this verse would be chosen I think and... yeah I, I think there's also a little bit of um, safety in the obscurity as well because it's like Well, Mm -hmm. if I don't know anything about Habakkuk, then no one else is going to know anything about Habakkuk either. And so if I quote this, it's like it's more likely for people to just take it as an isolated bite if it's from, Mm -hmm. you know, some random book in the Old Testament, you know, over against if you tried to do something like this with, you know, Ephesians 2 or something like that. The likelihood that someone, you know, in your congregation or is listening is like, well, wait a second. I know what Ephesians is about and you know, for them to start <laughs> activating that. Oh no, this, I, I actually have a, m- a meaningful sense for where this fits into things.
1: The, so the I, environmentalist you know, trying to claim that John 3, 16 is an environmentalist verse. God loved the world. You don't understand. <laughs> and you're like, I, I, I know
0: something about John chapter three. That's not what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, for well, sure. I, think- I I think w- w- what I think is going on partly with this one is um, that it's it sounds sensational. Like it, it fits exactly with what my expectations would be if what I was trying to communicate was like, because uh, because there's very much this idea of like, um, in, in my head, it's, it's sort of this perspective of God that I think people have in, in evangelicalism, that this idea that God is like, you hear like reckless love or you know he's like astonishing or he's got like you know these surprises for you or things like that i'm like it, you know almost like you know god's like a like a doting almost kind of creepy girlfriend is <laughs> kind of, the, it, you know, sounds right? kind it of annoying a, yeah Well, of it's like portray him. yeah it's like you know always planning kind of the next like getaway or something like that of, you know it, it <laughs> <laughs> i, I mean I'm, I'm being a little bit harsh and so maybe maybe i'm maybe i'm coming off a little bit too strong with it but the the, the point that i'm trying to make is because that's the kind of thing that's poignant to people of like mm-hmm. you know talking about god's you, you know covenant love for his people is you know to if i'm just like a regular american or something i'm like oh covenant love you know what big you know what a big thing is that you know it's like when really it's like no no that's that's like that's the substance of it right there, but we don't have a context for that, and it's it's far easier for us to think of maybe a like doting or almost uh, 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 yeah kind of like over the top or like creative or romantic kind of love, and so we sort of need to like cram God down into that category, uh, mm-hmm. and so then when I if I if I have that floating around in the back of my head, and then I read things like wonder and astounded and you know things like that i'm like oh yes this is this is activating all those like intuitions that i have like built up because you, you know which and those are the ones where it's like that one doesn't even necessarily have a biblical backing that's just sort of culturally evangelicalism that's kind of talking to me right there but now my you know preconceptions are being validated by this verse and so it's like yeah i think it like it checks all the boxes right you know, it's like it's the, it's a, an esoteric reference. So I get to look smart and people aren't going to call me on it. Uh, and it like it exactly activates the the kind of intuitions for this like, ooh, like romantic God, which is going to like speak to people. And so, it's you know, not things. necessarily that people are doing some, that some intentionally planned. all the time, but it kind of is <laughs> floating in the background, you know? Yeah.
1: It's well, a very Jesus
0: portrait of god it's not like Mm -hmm. that it's a far cry from the you know lord jesus christ standing in an ocean of his enemy's blood in the book of revelation it's like (laughs) you know it's it's a very inaccurate portrait of god and it it comes full circle to just like what we were saying earlier about like the whole biblical illiteracy and kind of like the whole meta narrative is off here if (laughs) you know if, if you um if you if i don't know if if you just like take these verses at their isolated like definitions and stuff. There's a problem beyond just Habakkuk one five.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I just I think you know I think of God who's gonna take me on this date that I'm just not gonna believe even if he had told me we're gonna we're we're gonna number the stars together and we're gonna count the grains of sand <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's, it, you know, just like imagine Abraham think. <laughs> he's gonna probably... cut, he's gonna cut a cow in half and then make this like lamp go between it and uh <laughs> wait wait this is this kind of took a weird turn it's, it's, i hear I steak think... dinner i hear steak dinner That's there we what... go candlelit steak dinner <laughs> i think abraham would be saying like i thought we left sodom god like this is <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, right. Heavens. oh man yeah, um, <laughs> well, so, 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 Sorry, I, I kind of do want to move on, though, to the second point you were saying, Donald, about like, because this has been great, but uh, mm-hmm. we're a little bit away from the point you, you started us on. Um, right. And I think your second point was really, really poignant when you talked about how we need to, you know, this is actually is an inspirational verse in terms of like, you know, God's sovereignty over evil. And of course, later in the book of Habakkuk, um, I, I know because I'm assuming it, and I actually haven't read back <laughs> in a while, but I'm quite confident that eventually the message becomes more positive. Like, you know, the Lord's people will be saved yeah. out of it. I mean, have you, I, I don't know if you know it yeah. but I'm just assuming. Yeah, no, that, yeah. I, yeah. I know <laughs> that. That's a safe
1: assumption.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So I'm like looking at verse 12. Are you not from everlasting? O Lord, my yeah. God, my Holy One, we shall not die.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's kind I, of, yeah. I, I know, I know that like, especially at the start, it's, it really is this sort of like grappling and like, and like Habakkuk eventually does sort of relent, like, okay, like, he's not happy about it, but he's sort of like, I, I do, you know, you are sovereign, sort of, he does have that posture. So yeah, that's, you know, and I think the, the entire book, if I'm not mistaken, the entire book of Habakkuk is just on this reality here. It's a short book about this sort of Babylonian um, capture, but yeah. Um, the prophets obviously have a positive things,
0: vision though, even, even yes. in the midst of it.
1: And exactly so i think, I think yeah. there
0: is a lot to be to be gleaned here and sort of like similar to our jeremiah 2911 episode where i and the reason i loved it is cuz we sort of spent the whole time uh, talking about like how yeah it's, it's not about you know god's special plan for your life but then we were able to kind of turn it around on sort of this snarky reformed guy who's like <laughs> it's not about you it's about the you know israelites you know and and be like well actually no like it is about you because paul literally says that the Old Testament scriptures were written for you. Like, yeah. you know, and so like, like we have to be smart about how we apply it, but it does apply. Like Habakkuk is for us today. Jeremiah is for us today. Um, and so it would be wrong to just be, it actually be more wrong. I would say it'd be more wrong to just say <laughs> stupid Judah Smith, uh, you know, this verse isn't about, <laughs> you know, and then fail to like say, Oh, actually this is super relevant for us today. What can we glean from it? Um, and how does it speak to us?
1: It's, well, it's kind of like with your, you know, uh, Jonathan bringing up earlier how this is similar to your uh, talking about the Romans road. It would be like saying, huh, the Romans road. That's not what that verse means. Therefore, I'm not going to follow the Romans road at all, like any of the <laughs> meaning of it. And you're like, no, oh, no, that's like the complete opposite of the point I'm trying to make it's, here.
0: It's not that all people are sinful,
1: <laughs> yeah exactly. Wait, right. sounds like i get a gold star because i'm not sinful then <laughs> um yeah no but i i can yeah i agree i think uh the easy and and the funny thing is like running a podcast that is primarily about correcting things that we think are wrong right either verses out of context or uh, in my opinion or in my uh, case like opinions that i think are, are silly or wrong it's so easy to be um to set yourself up for the very thing that you're making fun of, in some sense, where you you're you're missing the the trees for the forest in in a way, like you're saying, where you you're, you take down this opinion or you you're like this verse is out of context, and then you miss the meaning regardless, and you don't you don't take that application and you don't take the truths that are there and you don't apply them, and so you're more concerned about being right in the debate than you are about being right, you know um and so i think that that is that is a very real possibility with the position that you're in to dunk on this um so yeah no i i, <laughs> I agree i don't i don't want to come across as i'm making fun because again and i hope i've demonstrated this i do not think i am a perfect vessel of this and i've fallen into this so many times myself um so i can only stay humble enough to help guide others to say no that's not what habakkuk means um don't use it that way, but yeah, you're, you're not wrong. God is sovereign and he, he will deliver us. Maybe just look a couple of verses down and you'll see that kind of a thing.
0: Yeah. But he might deliver us through hardship and trial and suffering and martyrdom and, and governments, government. Well, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. like you said, it's, um, it's very fitting kind of for where we're at in our podcast and also where we're at in the world. I mean, good golly, I think Christians everywhere in the West are trying to reconcile with, you know, uh, I guess, conflicts on the outside and from within. Um, You know, like there's prominent pastors who three years ago, four years ago, I would have regarded as faithful brothers and sisters who are, um, you know, like basically segregating their congregations based on vaccination status now in direct violation of James 2, talking about becoming judges with evil thoughts and discriminating amongst ourselves, right? And it's like, so, so there's all these conflicts on the outside and within, And I think the faithful church really needs to hear this message of like, like, yeah, um, (laughs) God might be doing a great and astounding work in our days that we won't believe. Even if one tells it to us, I certainly haven't believed anything that's (laughs) happened in the last two years, you know? Well, maybe something calamitous is happening, but in God's sovereignty, he's turning it around for good. And certainly in, in the, judgment on on, on Israel and, and just in general, God's judgments on his people, whether they're the ones Habakkuk is talking about or the others, there's hope everywhere in it. And the, the people do return to the land and a Messiah is born from the line of David who, you know, there's this, this whole incredible story out of it. Um, and obviously we're not <laughs> expecting a Messiah <laughs> in this sense. <laughs> We've got a second coming um, of the Messiah. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot to be positive and optimistic, even though I certainly feel like at least the evangelical church has been upheaved completely um, in the last two months, completely blindsided by the by world events, I think.
1: Yeah. And, and I think I think what's also been interesting is like if you take this position of, <clears throat> I don't know, like submission that the church has done in many ways to like, oh, well, we just have to accept that we can't meet uh, as, a, as a body or whatever because the state has done this thing and, like, we're supposed to be subject to the state. And, like, haven't you read Romans 13? Plugging your guys' next episode here. <laughs> um, and um, stay <laughs> tuned. <laughs> yes. But, like, <clears throat> the interesting thing is, like, later in Habakkuk, which, and this is going a little off because it's not 1 5 directly, but later um, I, in chapter 2, I want to see, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> chapter 2, verse four and five um he says see the enemy is puffed up his desires are not upright but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness indeed wine betrays him he is arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied he gathers to himself all the nations and takes captives uh, all the people all the peoples and what's interesting about that to me is this distinction that like so like y- y- you won't from one five you won't believe what's going to happen and it's ultimately for your redemptive purpose as that first chapter points out Um, But like the things that they're doing are evil and good people are going to survive by their faithfulness in spite of this nation conquering. Like just because bad things are going along, that does not mean bury your head in the sand. It doesn't mean just play it cool until it's done. It's like all these terrible bad things that they're doing and they're conquering nations and it's why they're doing this because they're bad people in spite of that, the righteous will person will live by faithfulness like that is the the, the call here. And so to me <clears throat> it, it seems very clear that you can't just take you know, oh God uses and uh, anything anything that God ordains to discipline or keep us in some kind of check, that thing has to be righteous or that thing has to be obeyed is that is not necessarily the case um very clearly here because, God using this nation to conquer is a matter of discipline, but that does not mean that they are to discipline themselves to the unrighteous practices of the Babylonians. Um, and so it's, and so it's just interesting when in um, to, to this broader theme of like, where do we sit as Christians with government authority? And it's like, this is a pretty clear indicator that if, if your government is doing something that is directly violating your God's com- God's command, like, nope, the righteous will live by, by their faithfulness. And, and, God can still ordain bad these bad things, and they can still be bad things, and you can still speak out against these bad things, and you can still say, we should probably not have a justice system that is unjust to people for stupid reasons. Um, even if God has ordained that to be the American judicial system, in the, that does not mean we can't you know, uh, try to change that, try to make it better, try to improve it, because we are still called to live by faithfulness, even in an ordained disciplinary, you know, punishment you might say that God has put on us, or maybe you know, has just ordained to be the maybe not even as a strict punishment, but just as our system. I think I think that's where some some Christians who who say no, we just have to ag- agree with the government, we just have to obey what they do, and we have to be sort of docile to that. I don't I don't think that that's the full picture, and I don't think Habakkuk shows that
0: and yes and, and and i think that comes through even we've we've referenced a few times our previous episode on jeremiah 29:11 um, mm-hmm. and, and it, it comes through even more so in that in that whole chapter which we talked about there of you know it's this uh you know the lord sending them into exile and it's like hey that's real bummer this is bad like i mean you know there, there isn't like a sense in which it's like it's all happy go lucky that you're getting sent into exile like this is a terrible calamity and yet at the same time the command is you know build houses, you know, give your sons and daughters in marriage, seek the good of the city for, you know, in that you'll, you know, have your provision. And so it's very much this, like, even though you are in the midst of this calamity and judgment, the command is still clear that you are to seek the good of the community that you're in. Like you're still called to be faithful to the Lord in that. And, you know, it's, it's not, you know, the command is not integrate with the, you know, the, the, these people who conquered you, like, that's not what God says, you know, he says, in fact, kind of quite the opposite, like, you know, maintain the like purity of worship and commitment to the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I love that you brought up the like, you know, you seek the good where you are. And it's like um, resistance to that state. While I do think there there are some instances in which resistance becomes justifiable, there's plenty of instances in which a justifiable resistance doesn't form. I mean, if you're in North Korea right now, you can justifiably resist the state. You'll also get your whole family sent to a torture camp. Like, so, so even yes. though, you, like, you can't, you, you know, you're you're stuck in the circumstances you're in, right? And and so I think that's the the crux of it. And what what I find interesting, I'm gonna do the whole like um, prove that I have a Bible degree here. Um, <laughs> so so it's got to be worth something, right? It's, it's 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 funny that you brought this passage up, Donald. The the you know. the the righteous will live by his faithfulness. Is that what it was quoted? So that's what Paul quotes in the literal thesis statement of Romans. It's Mm -hmm. it's actually that verse in Habakkuk. In Romans one seventeen, which is hot off the heels of the one sixteen. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then verse 17, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written. The righteous shall live by faith. And of course, Paul is not unaware of the political context and the literal, like, you'll know, you'll live as in you won't suffer bodily death (laughs) through your faithfulness to God, right? But he adapts it to being saved from the wrath of God in the gospel. He says, well, the righteous will live by his faith. And and, and there's definitely like multiple meanings to that, you know? There's like, you will literally, you'll, you'll be saved from wrath by having faith. Right? But there's also like, how do you live the Christian life in faith? <laughs> so it's, it's kind of crazy. It comes full circle. I mean, we're talking about Romans 13 and, and keep hinting at the, the, you know, next episode, but it's like for Paul, um, remaining faithful to God in all things and, and believing in Christ is our salvation, you know, even in the midst of calamity and that calamity actually might be God's wrath and judgment which could be perhaps the topic of Habakkuk 1-5. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> There's, my, there's the most, my, my spitballing with a Bible degree for you. Um, although, uh, you know, I don't think it was actually that uh, intelligent. But <laughs>
1: that's, that's that a good thought. connection. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's a valid well, connection. So. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't Google any other better connections in the time you were talking, so I couldn't just take something out of context <laughs> to sound smart. <laughs> so you win. I, I, I surrender. <laughs>
0: Well, that being said, um, I think, I don't know. I think, I think we probably hit at everything. Uh, it might be time for the other meats. <laughs> what do you guys think?
1: As long as we have a cook for it, I'm, I'm, I'm good for some other meat. <laughs>
0: uh, came back around. I there came we back. Go. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: We made a terrible mistake
0: inviting you onto this podcast.
1: <laughs> I knew this the moment I pitched it, the moment I slipped that 20 in your hands, Jeremy. I knew you made that mistake. By it only costs $20 to, to get on this podcast?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: more than we've made
0: so far. <laughs> Well, once all of that YouTube ad revenue starts coming in, then we'll just oh, start yeah. rolling in. Yeah, especially since I used the word vaccination in this podcast. And I'm sure <laughs> it'll just start rolling in.
1: Hey, hey, I will say my my cast did get a uh, – we had an episode pulled for, for talking about that. So, you know, might want to look, think about Odyssey.
0: <laughs> I also made a, a Sodom joke. So that's probably not mm, – Yeah, there's that. <laughs> yeah, wow. it may be the shortest-lived YouTube channel
1: in history. <laughs> hey you know what the things that you're that are going to happen to your youtube channel you would not believe if i told you okay (laughs)
0: look among the youtube channels see wonder and be astounded (laughs) i am sending against you the algorithm (laughs) that bitter hasty math equation
1: (laughs) all
0: right are you gonna lay the other meat on us john (laughs) It's time for the other meat. <laughs> we do you gotta, we, I, I I gotta find some way of
1: getting the hiss sound effect back in. Yeah, or I think every it. time, I think you every time you need to have some kind of steak or something cooked and right on cue, slap it on there and sizzle. Yes. It. I think that's your. I'll just get your,
0: a, I'll just get a George Foreman grill or something and have it right next to
1: me. <laughs> oh. That is a really that's a man George Foreman grill that, that ties into a really good nu story I have. Oh, oh yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So our other meat for the day, um, which is well, like you'll have to wait even... and for our uh, you know paid subscriber section only for <laughs> Donald Kimball's story about. <laughs> so our other meat today is almost not different than kind of what half of our podcast was already about. But since since we were all um, Christian college goers. Um, well, John is, it's sort of debatable, um, if SPU is a Christian <laughs> college or not, but the nominally thing, <laughs> Christian NU is a legitimately Christian university. Um, I thought we could all share our like most stereotypically like cliche, uh, evangelical college stories. So speaking of George Foreman grills, why don't you, uh, Uh, lay it on us donald
1: (laughs) well well this was this was a very atypical chapel service but it was chapel so it was very typical in that sense (laughs) because we had to go three times a week but um i had a friend in uh i had a friend in college good friend good guy um and he and started this joke that just kind of ran on a couple amongst a couple of friends where we saw this one guy because our chapel was actually open to the public. So if someone wanted to come attend chapel just like as an outsider, they were welcome to come in because it was they 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 had a problem of deciding if it was an educational thing or if it was a church. They would flip-flop when it was convenient. It was really annoying. It's like you still have to go to church, but we're also going to ask for donations, but we are going to give communion, but you still need, you know, we can we we, we don't have to be held to a biblical standard because it's it's not actually church. It, it was it was silly. Anyway. So up again once more in the the out cast reject section of the balcony um there was this one guy who always came and he was like he was like a middle-aged dude and he just he always showed up voluntarily he was not a student he wasn't taking adult classes in the evening or anything like that he always showed up but he always looked miserable he always just seemed like he was very unhappy to be there and so my friend uh his name was John John made this. Started riffing on this joke with a couple of friends and myself about like, what if I just bought a George Foreman grill, and I just plugged it in the back and started like cooking some stuff, and then I just asked this guy, "Hey, do you mind like uh, I, I'm going to run to the bathroom? Do you mind like watching this really quick while I while I go?" And then just not showing up again, just seeing what would happen. I don't know why that became the joke. That became the joke. Well, eventually, this evolved into a, into a real. Uh, a real life grilling scenario where we couldn't get a George Foreman grill, but he did have a panini maker. And so, and so on one fateful, one fateful chapel service, um, he comes up with, and we get from our our cafeteria, we get some, some, we grab a thing of bread, And we grab a thing of cheese and we go up and we plug into the bottom. There's outlets on the ground. So we plug in this panini maker and we start cooking grilled cheese very surreptitiously because it's down below kind of by our feet. And we had plates and we, we so he would make them. He'd pick them up to me. I'd take one and I'd sidle over to some people and I'd be like you want a grilled cheese? And then they're like, what? And I'd have this freshly made grilled cheese. And so, me, I mean, like everyone up there just thought it was hilarious. they like, yeah. And there's probably like, I don't know, 30 to 50. Does that sound about right, Jeremy? I don't know, 30 to 50 ish, maybe, maybe more, maybe, um, but up, up in that, in that balcony. Yeah, and, um, and depends so I'm going on one by one to my <laughs> friends. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm at capacity. So I don't know oh, how sure. many people were actually up there, but uh, you know, I'm going one by one and I'm passing them out. We're having a blast. Um, and then what happens is the the campus pastor is not uh, preaching and he happens to come up to the balcony and we're, we see him and we're like, oh, shoot. And so we like kick the George Foreman grill under the seats. We stash the, the bread and the cheese and he looks around and he's looking out, you know, and he kind of looks back and he sees people with grilled cheese and he's like, what? <laughs> He's, like, really confused, but after a couple minutes, he you know, he doesn't see anything happening, so he leaves. And we continue the grilled cheese, and it was the best chapel we ever yes. had. That is my story. So uh, did, did, did the miserable guy get a grilled cheese sandwich? He wasn't there that, oh. <laughs> wasn't there that
0: chapel. He picked the wrong day to
1: not come into the Lord's house, man. <laughs> <laughs> Would have put a smile right on his face.
0: Well, I have a substantially less encouraging um, chapel story for, <laughs> to share. Um, <laughs> we've been name dropping so many people in this episode, like we just called out Judas Smith. Uh, I'm going to call out someone else. Uh, oh that, man, that, yeah, that... <laughs> poor Judas Smith, man. He's just got dunked hard today. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he deserves it. <laughs> um, I'm going to call out William Paul Young, author of The Shack. <laughs> 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 so and so I, I don't know some people probably missed the shack so for our audience basically the shack is this best-selling christian book that is abject heresy
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> can't, oh, just, I i once had someone say it was basically pilgrim's progress and i wanted to die john bunyan was rolling in his grave <laughs> and i mean like it's it's basically
0: it's this um, story about, you know, like healing from trauma, uh, something along those lines. And this guy goes to a shack and God talks to him there, right? Except God is not, you know, the Trinitarian God of the Bible. He's like, uh, I think if I'm remembering correctly, God the Father is portrayed as Papa. And it's like a like a woman. Um, and god the holy spirit is portrayed as an asian woman which is like i don't know maybe a little racist (laughs) like i don't like the way that it goes because it's like ooh, it's mystical and stuff i I don't know it's just a little bit (laughs) problematic by 2021 (laughs) standards problematic that's the word for it and then god the son is like i don't know maybe it's actually jesus i forget that part of it but i know that it's like very racially charged in a way that would make people uncomfortable today probably actually for good reason. Um, and it's, it's just non-Trinitarian. It denies the doctrine of the Trinity in all sorts of ways. It's, you know, plenty of people did takedowns of it, but it was a best-selling book. Michael W. Smith endorsed it. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things um, that was big in the evangelical world because, well, for all of the reasons we've been saying <laughs> the lack of discernment, um, So anyways, the author of the shack came to speak at the NU chapel one day. (laughs) Um, You know, and when I heard William Paul Young is coming to speak, which I didn't know until I like showed up at chapel that day, uh, I was like, no way. Like, first of all, it doesn't even slightly surprise me (laughs) that the campus pastor asked William Paul Young (laughs) to show up. Uh, But second of all, I was like, what is he going to talk about? Like, what is he going to? I uh, could not have possibly, I don't know, my expectations were low, <laughs> but oh my goodness. <laughs> he, he spent his entire talk uh, complaining about the church's response to his book. <laughs> <laughs> his best-selling book that Michael W. Smith endorsed. Um, he spent the whole time whining about like, people who theologically picked it apart you know his non-trinitarian heresy he was upset that people and he also spent the entire time just bad-mouthing institutional christianity in general apparently he hadn't been going to a church for years when he wrote the book you know What wait and really still i wouldn't still. have no <laughs> no and it's basically it's like i still believe in god but like you gotta you know sometimes people hurt you in church it's just really like Anyways, if it wasn't so comically over the top bad, I would have been offended, but I just thought it was funny. I just thought it was <laughs> pathetic. Like absolute absolute um the worst possible way of handling uh being asked to speak somewhere at an at a ch- you know, a college that's associated with a denomination. G- granted, Pentecostals aren't super like high churchy. <laughs> you know, they, don't, they right. don't have a high ecclesiology, we might say, but it, I still just thought it was like rude and disrespectful to come to a Christian college chapel and talk about how crappy church is. Like (laughs) I just anyways, I yeah, that's that's my story. Um there was no grilled cheese that day. That sure would have made my mood a little (laughs) better or or Smash Brothers on 3DS. So (laughs) man. Ooh ooh. That's probably a more typical NU story actually than the (laughs) bad chapel speakers.
1: (laughs) <laughs> to be fair there probably were bad chapel speakers going on during grilled cheese chapel i just didn't know because i was too busy <laughs> making grilled cheese
0: now i'm like bummed out that i didn't go to chapel at at my college i could probably have had a couple great stories <laughs> <too>. <laughs> well but you were a weren't you like a student like a hall um oh, spiritual yeah, advisor so, though like yes yeah, so, some so, story uh yeah yeah well it, okay it, that was a fun one. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so for all the dorm halls, because you know we were a Christian university, you can't just have a a, a like an RA for so, sorry. Um, uh, what what are they called? It regular resident schools? assistant. Yeah. Yeah. RA is is that the term? it was mm-hmm. called they were called something else.
1: Oh okay. That, that RA at NU was a resident assistant, and that was the person in charge of that hall. But yeah.
0: Yeah. There was like there's, I can't remember what the the other one was, but it was it was. A, it, it were christian university, so we had to have some it needed to be about community and not just about enforcing rules and so they had a different name but they were basically just ras uh, that were given extra pressure about also having to build community um it was weird <laughs> um but then simultaneously so that was all through the like administrative wing of the university but then christian university we also had a whole other like ministries wing of the university as well and they also had a person on each one of the the dorm floors, who they're like something like a spiritual advisor or leader or like also a community builder. The job description was really vague, uh, and and uh, uh, so I I fulfilled that role when I was a a sophomore at the university. So um uh, so so I, I I was one of these. They're called student ministry coordinators or SMCs, um, and uh, it was a hoot and a half uh, <laughs> getting to. Getting to do that 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 job for the floor. Part of that was the 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 guys for the the dorm floor that I was on were they were a a wild bunch. So it was a bunch of fun. But, um, uh, but but one of the like big things that it is like I like I want to like build community and really help people get like deeper in their relationships with one another because we're like dudes and that's like hard for us to do. And so (laughs) I thought the like the best way to do it would be to get everybody to commit to coming on Wednesday nights like after you know after hours and then we would all go and in turn like one a different person every wednesday would then like basically share their life story that you know you have like an hour or something to talk about like how do you like how'd you get here how'd you show up here and uh and uh (laughs) anyway it just like it, it got very out of hand (laughs) <laughs> uh <and laughs> with, you know people taking like 90 minutes to like talk about their whole life story and just like sharing all of this like really deep stuff that it's like oh i you know in hindsight looking back on it i'm like i i feel really bad that i set this like expectation that people were gonna go like super deep because i don't i don't know how to deal with like this stuff <laughs> that you're sharing <laughs> to like 45 guys in a room at 11 30 <laughs> like I'm I'm sorry that happened to you when you were eight and I don't know how to like deal with this
1: (laughs) I am not a trained professional (laughs) I I know it's like I'm
0: I'm just a sophomore like I don't know I'm younger than some of you people like I don't even know so it was um, so so like that was a pretty cliches, though. it's like being vulnerable with one another. It's like, dude, yes, yeah, oh, no, totally, dude, absolutely. As a married man now, dude, I don't want to know. I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. really know what you've been through, man. It's like you have a yeah, wife totally. to talk to if you want to talk about
1: your emotions. Yeah. <laughs> dude, the I don't care. The, like, <laughs> the vulnerable word is such a cliche. It is such a cliche. That one in community and organic. Oh, these are all good Christianese. uh especially Christian college buzzwords. Yeah. Oh man. If I thought about it, I like,
0: I'm pretty sure we had a, uh, Oh, Oh, we did actually. (laughs) So then, then the next two years I, I pivoted to, instead of being in the dorm halls, I did the, the, the equivalent of that ministry for the commuter students. Mm-hmm. Um and it was a way chiller organization. It was like <laughs> people with way real chiller responsibilities. <laughs> I know. Like basically, basically what I did is I just like uh, uh organized a, a weekly meal on Wednesdays for like lunch so that the commuters didn't have to like pack lunches on Wednesdays. And it was mm-hmm. like the chillest thing ever. We just like made like a big pot of curry every week, and everybody <laughs> just like hung out, and it was awesome. And, <laughs> so that that was that was like that was peak ministry right there, uh, but. <laughs> But part of part of the deal with it is uh, um, the commuter students. We were like trying to figure out, like, okay, how can we help them to like feel more involved and connected with campus? Because you know it's tough when you like you're not part of the dorm life, and you know you're not there in evenings when a lot of the stuff happens. Like, you know, how do you do that? And so uh, one of the things that we we put together was a, uh, a cheat sheet of uh, all of the acronyms uh, that people used on campus, and it was like literally three pages front and back, like oh t- size twelve God. font of like all of these acronyms that were just like part of the vernacular in the like SPU bubble. And where it's like, if you were a commuter student, it's like, you know, you, you learn these things, you know, in the dorms, you know, being socialized with people, but it's like, if you're just kind of there for classes and eating your lunch, it's like, how, like, how are you ever going to find out like what this, you know, what these 10 or, you know, a hundred acronyms actually mean. So, um, anyway, that was my, I'm not sure where I was going with that story right there, but, uh, <laughs> I guess. Okay, well, well, that's it. Maybe I'll jump in then and say that, you know, it sounds like this um, powwow where everybody was really vulnerable with each other. Uh, sounds a lot like the shack, the conversation, that the, <laughs> <laughs> the, <character, laughs> the, the conversation that the character has with, um, you know, the three different gods. I mean, the three different uh, persons who are God. <laughs> and I was, I, I wanted to make sure that before we finish the podcast that I, I correct the record and, and, correctly identify what the book is about so i typed in the shack on duck, duck go search and um the first result was shaquille o'neal wikipedia page <laughs> yes <laughs> i spelled shack correctly s-h-a-c-k but it thought and, i wanted to talk about shaquille o'neal I which i think like... says more about our society than
1: anything else <laughs> This is, what, this is what the author was complaining about in the NU chapel. That's, for He yes. went on a 40-minute rant. He's like, y- you Google the shack and you get Shaquille O'Neal. And it's like, how come the church didn't support me in that? Sure, I haven't been to a church for 40 years. But listen, I think that they need to be helping me in the algorithms. So I, I clicked on the, the Wikipedia
0: page. And uh, so just so we, we are clear, um, God the Father takes the form of an African-American woman who calls herself Papa. Jesus is a Middle Eastern carpenter. It's, ahead of its time. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit physically manifests. There's a little bit of a red flag already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit physically manifests as an Asian woman named Sarayu. The bulk of the book narrates Max's conversations with Papa Jesus and Sarayu as he comes to terms with Missy's death. It's like his mom or his wife or something. I think it's his uh, daughter. His daughter, okay, his daughter. Um, Mac walks across a lake with Jesus, sees an image of his earthly father in heaven with Sarayu, and has a conversation with Sophia, the personification of God's wisdom. So I guess there's like four people in- and <laughs> <laughs> quadrinity, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I-, I just wanted to make sure we understood who showed up at the NU Chapel to uh, speak to us about Christianity. Um, as an authoritative voice, um, I
1: would. I, if there's one word that that comes to mind, it's <laughs> orthodox.
0: <laughs> For me, it's the word cancel, as in like, <laughs> not yeah. <been> canceled yet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has gone really enough. far off the rails, but in, I think in all the right ways. So <laughs> I, I, I'd like to thank you for being here, Donald.
1: <laughs> thank you for having me. Uh, if you had told me what would happen on this podcast, I would not have believed. So thank you so much for having me. It's been a great time.
0: You'd be You know, wonder and be astonished, right? <laughs> <laughs> We'll make sure we send the Babylonians after you once we uh, sign off. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Donald, is there uh,
1: anything you want to plug before we close the podcast out here? Uh, well, I'll just replug my podcast, Cringe Posts Podcast. Again, that's Cringe Posts Podcast, and that you can follow our socials at Cringe Posts Pod or CringePosts dot com. Uh, would really love to see some of you there. It's been a blast, um, and if you enjoy this kind of you know this, this kind of uh i don't know like f- fun entertainment you know edutainment kind of stuff uh, with you know I, I hate that term but <laughs> then i hope i think you'll probably like cringe posts at least if i don't ruffle your feathers when i insult your favorite political personality
0: i heartily recommend it it's a good time <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on the podcast Donald. this was a this was a blast thanks for having me Well, in the immortal words of the philosopher Porky Pig, that's all, folks. We thank you for joining us. If anything you heard today has sent you into a blind theological rage, feel free to lambast us on social media. Alternatively, if you liked what you heard, have Bible verses you want us to break down or questions you think we can answer. You can send them to thejohn315podcast at gmail.com. That's thejohn315podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.